the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey there, it is Faith Talk Live. I'm Rick Probst. And I'm Dan Ratcliffe. Hey, we're going to catch up with Rory Nolan. He is back, the director of Heart of the Artist. He's moved, I think, since the last time we talked to him. He's outside of Huntsville, and he's going to invest in snow plows and milk and bread, no doubt. (laughs) Right, Rory? Uh, no, I, I left all of those back in Chicago. <laughs> no chains for your tires or anything like that? I mean, <laughs> no, no chains. My winter coats left in Chicago. Okay. That's hey, good. Rory, did you have anybody, any of your old friends from Chicago say, hey, what are you thinking, Rory? I mean, come on. Uh, to be honest with you, Rick, uh, many of them envied me. <laughs> 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 you know, it, especially since the, the, the time when I announced that I'm moving was middle of January, like, like about a year ago, middle of January. And it was really bad weather in Chicago. And then with the shutdowns and everything, everybody was kind of down and depressed and wanting to leave any, anywhere. Yeah. Go, go anywhere. So yeah, I, I was envied actually. <laughs> well, good. It's it's good that you're there and it looks like you're all moved in. You got your office together and uh, thanks for hanging with us. We wanted to catch up with you. Uh, Heart of the Artist, mentoring, coaching, spiritual direction, uh, doing retreats uh, and uh, ministering and uh, mentoring worship teams all over. If you check out Rory's website, the, the Heart of the Artist, he's got a daily praise offering. And uh, today's is really good. Uh, who do I say that uh, you are? And uh, that's a great reminder. There it is. Heart of the Artist dot dot org. Well, let's catch up a bit. Uh, Christmas for you was was what? You and your family. How'd you spend it? Well, we moved down here to Huntsville to be closer to our grandkids. So that was the highlight this Christmas. Uh, on Christmas Day, my son and his family came over and they opened presents at their house first and then came over to our house. So uh, it was great. And what was fun is my son asked uh, me to teach uh, the the two older girls uh, piano lessons and I haven't taught piano lessons since college. That's kind of how I worked my way through college. Mm-hmm. So r- around October, I gave them this Christmas carol book, and so it was their idea to play Christmas carols on Christmas Day. So awesome! It was fun. How'd they do? Were Were you a proud teacher slash grandfather? Well, yeah they 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 were really into it. It was kind of like a little recital and. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, these Christmas carols, they have the, it's like a duet. So I'm playing a more complicated part with them. And they're playing this like melody and they're going, wow, this sounds pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at piano. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you learn did you learn the piano while you were growing up at home? And did you drive your parents crazy playing chopsticks? Uh, tell us the story <laughs> before we get into more a part of the artist. Yeah, well, I, I grew up in a musical home. My dad was a jazz pianist. My mom was a singer. Uh, they, they met uh, doing radio together, you know, back in the day. Wow. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so, yeah, I started piano lessons when I was four years old. Uh, I just started going to the piano and playing things that I heard. And they said, and, and my dad actually was, was teaching piano. So he, he, was, he was my piano teacher until I went off to college. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Jazz pianist to me. 
are like so talented uh, because yeah. they can not only play in between the lines, they can go outside the lines and play, and it's just a really cool jam. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What's cool about jazz is you do it. It's it's kind of like like the spiritual life is like you do it with others. It's it's kind of how you. It's yeah. more meaningful when you do yeah. it. You kind of speak in the same language and on yeah. the same wavelength. It's like jam bands, I guess. Uh, you know, we had the jam the jam bands. You know, back in the day, the Dead and some of those uh, other ones. Did you ever have any of the the leaders of the church say, "All right, Roy, bring it back in now. That's enough jamming. No more jazz. Let's bring it back to where it needs to be." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Rick. Many many times they had to remind me. You know, you you have to appeal to adults and uh, <laughs> rein it in. Yes. Thanks a lot. Well, hey, what's uh, what's up with Heart of the Artist? You're looking here. You you got you guys have moved to a new place. It's 2022. Uh, what what's on the agenda for you? Well, I came out with a new book. Actually, two new books last year, and the most recent one though uh, came out in June. So it's been about six months. Transforming worship, uh, planning, and leading worship services, uh, or is a spiritual formation mattered. And it seems to, I mean, six months out now, I'm getting some, you know, pretty good responses, and it seems to have stirred up some good conversations. Good, good, good. Well, I see on your website, you also had, or at least it says new, the the Heart of the Artist second edition. Right. Is that uh, the same as the original book, and you just changed it a bit, or what's what's going on with the new book? I I changed it uh, dramatically. Uh, for one thing, I updated all the scenarios and a lot of the, the examples. Um, kind of embarrassingly, they reflected how we did worship back in the 80s. <laughs> so it's kind of time to change those. And, Anything you uh, saw that you were like, no, we need to keep that. That was just awesome when we did that. <laughs> I mean, the equalizer, the you know, I mean the uh, you know the synthesizer. We need more of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, since the book came out over twenty years ago, but it's had a pretty good shelf life. So, you know, the publisher wanted to keep it going, and so I updated it, you know, for the next generation, and I added a lot of things that I've been teaching since the book came out. So. Yeah, if anybody's got the old version, I highly recommend getting the new version. It's um, uh, it's updated, revised with additional material. Hmm. Now, Rory, you're on the pulse of what's going on. You influence a lot of uh, not just worship leaders, but churches all around the the country. And I know that uh, we've all gone through the you know uh, the attendance things, and, and and I know that affects worship worship people because they have a heart; they want to bring it. And just people to experience the presence of the Lord and the depth of the of the songs that that they're doing. What do you what are you finding? Are they calling you, texting you, emailing you, saying, "Hey, it's still not a hundred percent like it used to be." What do I do as a worship leader? Yeah, 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 Rick. I'm having a lot of calls, and uh, especially since the new book came out, because that's kind of that speaks directly to uh, what you're bringing up here. And, and this is probably some of the conversations you guys are, are pulled into as well. Uh, pastors uh, especially are calling me and they're alarmed because the, the people aren't coming back uh, to church like they thought they would. Yeah. And, you know, at first everybody thought, oh, you know, it's because, you know, some people are still afraid to come back and maybe when the vaccines roll out, everything will kind of even out and it'll come back to normal. 
and it it still hasn't. Mm -hmm. And so it's caused, I think, pastors and worship leaders and church leaders really across the country to ask some really good questions and also maybe come to some startling realizations. Um, started, you know, they're starting to questions like maybe uh, people have realized that they don't need us. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. You know, kind of facing some realities. And right. it's how, how did that happen? And have we given them a reason to devalue coming together uh, back as, as a gather as a gathered church? Yeah. Mm. Wow. That's really interesting a perspective, but have we done something to devalue the church? I never thought of it that way. Is, is there a conclusion yet or is it still, or is it still in the digging? I mean, what do you say? I mean, okay. So we know that there's some adjustments that we need to make. What are those adjustments, and and is this a long-term thing? Well, I don't know if it's a long-term thing, Rick, but I think it's a serious thing that if, if we don't act now, uh, that I think we're going to – I don't think things are going to get, uh, you know, just real better right away here. Right, right. But, um, yeah, I you know, I think a lot of churches going online, they thought, oh, okay, that's going to save the day. Right. Right, you know, but what we realized, I think, is that uh, that became such a comfortable thing that uh, churches are even uh, ha- having trouble pulling the plug on that, mm-hmm. even this far into uh, you know two years uh, after, or you know, still in the midst of COVID, and so um, because they're realizing that okay, um, people they've kind of found found other things to do, maybe mm-hmm. besides going to church, right, or being online. They, maybe they found some more interesting church services or yeah. maybe some more, you know, interesting Bible studies. I mean, really, let's face it, you can get um, for, you know, for most people, you can just, uh, you know, do a search online and get some better messages than maybe, you know, from some top quality, you know, right. from in, uh, teachers that you, maybe you won't get every Sunday morning. Yeah. And so I think churches are realizing, oh, wow, you know. Uh, so why do we come together? And maybe people just aren't finding it meaningful anymore. So that's why they're calling me, especially since uh, my new book came out, because that's really what this book is about, is how to make the service more meaningful. Hmm. Especially with that local body. I mean, how, how do you encourage people with the words from Hebrews, not you know, uh, forsaking the gathering of of the body. Where yes, you can find you can always find better teaching somewhere. I'm sure I, I'll, all pastors hate to hear that. I know, but you can probably find it somewhere and, and worship too. So, what is it about the local body that you can't get anywhere else that we need to impress upon people that this is something that's important to God's heart? Yeah, well, that's that's a great question, Dan, because it's it's not just about the teaching. A lot of people find their affinity groups now online, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where they find their fellowship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the problem that we're also starting to see with that is that's a very pseudo kind of fellowship. Yeah. Because right? yeah. it's not real. And it's also the kind of fellowship that you choose. And so it is very affinity based. And that's really not what true fellowship is. And uh, so I think people are, churches are really trying to come back to why do we gather in the first place? Mm -hmm. And um, first of all, you know, the value of gathered worship, meeting together and um, praying together. 
and um, and singing together and just hearing God's word together. These things we do together. That's so good. Now, yeah. Now with people that you have chosen by year, you know, oh, I like these this age group or I like that age group. Right. But really, true fellowship, the kind that really shapes us and molds us, is multi-ethnic and it's uh, multi-generational. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's a smattering. It's, it's with people who hold different political views than you. Yeah. With social, different social standing. That's what true fellowship is. Yeah. Love and it, that. And that's what church is. Yeah. I got to read that book, Rory. I got to do it. Uh, <laughs> heart of uh, heart of the artist.org. If you look in the background there, I just noticed it a little while ago. Is that a cello that's back there, Rory? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. My cello, uh-huh. my, my guitars are here, the piano's in the next room. So, yeah. Well, I'll get him to play cello for us sometime, Rick. Dan, we, we got to have him. We got to have you back. We love having you, Rory. We, 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 uh, we never really scratched the surface, maybe a little bit. But we got to have you. You're just uh, you're such a great guest. But yeah, we got to have you do something. I mean, we love the cello. That's yeah. sweet. Yeah. Well, I don't play as much as I used to, but uh, yeah, it's it's more of a more of a hobby these days. Maybe you can do a little duet with uh, with your granddaughters. They can play piano. <laughs> you can play the cello. We That'd be awesome. Concert right here on yeah uh, on Facebook. There you go. Give us a couple hey. years to look that up. <laughs> Hey, Rory Noland, uh, he is the director of uh, Heart of the Artist, Mentoring, Coaching, Spiritual Direction. Uh, Hey, read the book and check out the website. And uh, also, uh, hey, if you need mentoring or coaching, coaching, that's the place to go to. Again, it's heartoftheartist.org. Rory, we got to take a break. Thank you so much. I'd love to talk to you right around Easter time. I think it'd be really cool. Sounds great, guys. Let's do it again. Hey, bless you. Hey, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. I'm Rick Probst. And I'm Dan Ratcliffe. This is Faith Talk Live. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 